Wonk. Honk. I love sausage. Thank you, Tim. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber. On Sports Radio 1270, the fan. I did old uh, some poll uh, over the weekend. Right. Not misohonia. The Tim Graham Show. Welcome to the October 24th, 2018 Year of Our Lord edition of the Tim Graham Show. Brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Got another full studio today, but we have enough microphones this time. We've had a microphone added to the carousel here. That's what I'm talking about. So now our... Our videographer, Jonah Bronstein, can join uh, without having to steal Bobby Rosati's microphone. Bobby Rosati, our resident uh, knob diddler, producer extraordinaire. No knobs on the video. No? <laughs> Everything's fine, though. Are we all in the shot? You're all in the shot. It's tight. Well, that's fine. We don't have Matt's right ear or your left ear, but that's going to be a vice ver- Well, vice versa. My right ear. His left. Combined, you have two ears. Yeah, and you're in the middle, which makes us look like a mm with ears. Well, (laughs) unfortunately. Better than a mm with ears. The big crooked, Mike Rodak, he's the co-host, the man in the middle. And Matthew Fairburn, my athletic brother. I guess I should rephrase that. My brother from the athletic. (laughs) (laughs) He's here in studio today. We have a full show. We have a lot to talk about. Chad Kelly's been released from the Denver Broncos, the St. Joe's grad has now been kicked off his high school team, a college team, and an NFL team. That's a, that's a hat trick. No, it's a hat trick. Why is it not a trifecta? Um, Cause it, I, because I was in trying to articulate it. And whatever you say, I'm going to push back on. Well, that's, that's real high level. It is. We'll get into Adam Vinatieri being washed up. One week after the Iceman. Mike Rodak said that there was no way that Stephen Hauschka could win in a field goal kicking competition with his beloved Adam Vinatieri. Patriots are coming to town, so the dread is washing over Western New York. The Bills at two and four, coming off an ugly loss to the Indianapolis Colts. Two and five, Tim. Sorry, two and five. And uh Patriots, double digit favorite. Even though the Bills are at home, they're going to be playing in Orchard Park, and maybe they'll get a spark from Thurman Thomas having his number 34 retired. But I think part of me wonders how much today's NFL player really cares so much about history. I had a discussion about that with Sean McDermott a couple of weeks ago after Bruce Smith came into the field house and spoke with the Bills uh, after a practice. And, uh, you know, today's athlete, and with, you know, they, I don't. And we get, there's a sense I don't think that they pay as much attention to what else is going on even around the league unless it's their friends and stuff like that, let alone the history of the game. And uh, maybe that lends itself to, you know, these guys were born, free agency was already full blown. Guys just don't stay with teams for their entire careers, things like that. But so I don't really know how many guys in that Bills locker room are going to get sparked by Thurman Thomas. I doubt it. Yeah. 
I mean, it's a halftime thing. They'll be inside. Well, I, it's not that. It's the idea, Mike, of like all the stuff leading up in the week, and maybe you bring Thurman Thomas in to give a speech. It's not the halftime stuff. I mean, this isn't homecoming. Well, yeah, but aren't I mean? But even to go out and win on Monday Night Football and Thurman Thomas getting his jersey retired. Look, believe me, if Ray Lewis was getting his jersey retired on Monday Night Football, the Ravens would be jacked up about it. Right now, I mean, none of the guys on the Ravens, except for Terrell Suggs, played with him. I'm not sure. Just going back to what you said, I'm not sure. Joe Flacco that guys would, him, and I think, and to speak to your point, yeah, I Matt, think Matt Fairburn of the Athletic makes a pretty good point on the, the Ravens. The Ravens defense, I meant. Oh, the other guys don't count. They don't get to play. No, no. they up. don't get ex- inspired by them. But it's your all point, about. Yeah, tell me what my point give is. Mike. To the whole team, you said anything. guys don't. I'm going to say care, but they don't pay attention as much to the rest of the league. It's because of the way teams are coached, where it's tunnel vision. And we're just focused on our opponent. We're focused on our task at hand. And because of that, I, I think there's a tendency to block out the flyover and the pregame, whatever, the halftime ceremonies, whatever else is happening around the game, whatever they have to do on the field. The Halloween party. Right. Well, that's what the Broncos should have blocked out. But So I think there's naturally, because of the way these guys are coached, there is a tendency to block out the – pomp and circumstance that comes along with the game matt fairburn it's good to have the band back together because i have a feeling that uh you're ready to just jump in and knock mike rodak back in his place i'm Uh, ready we need to uh let everybody know that we drove down to the bills game at indianapolis rented a car Mm -hmm. had a little uh, carpool a little road trip mike rodak and matthew fairburn and and me and i and i Yes. Yeah, I had a road trip. Yes. You're the I had a road trip. Subject. Mike Rodak had a road trip. Matthew Fairburn had a road trip. And it was mostly uh, guy a lot stuff. of jousting. Yeah, we did it with a, lot, a lot of guy stuff. There were beers. There was road tripping. There was, there was big – we watched the big game. Yes, we – and we covered the big game. We covered a big game. We watched big a big game. game. There was fantasy football involved. There was, there was steak, steak and, and shake. Steak and shake, right? Waffle House. Chick-fil-A. All the all the highlights. All the TGI Fridays. Wouldn't recommend it. Not a sponsor of the show. I don't care. There was ter- food just terrible. Awful. Just terrible food. The worst. Don't go there. I thought it was pretty good. Mine was fine. Crooked Rodak. And it's not that we're I'm not piling on you there, but I mean you go to TGI Fridays and when you got the fettuccine Alfredo. Probably not the best choice. Yeah. All right, so, Matthew Fairburn, your thoughts on this young generation. And all I was doing was saying that Thurman Thomas is not going to inspire them. And you actually agreed with me, Mike, but you did it in such a... Condescending way. uh, Or just combative. Combative. Yeah, like trying to sprint down a a flight of stairs (laughs) blindfolded. Well, I'm graceful. I'm sure I'd look fine doing that. So Chad Kelly's been dumped from the Denver Broncos. Uh, we have Doug Marone struggling down in Jacksonville. That's always fun to talk about. So that's going on in the NFL. Uh, Jaguars having lost three in a row, four of their past five. They have this cloud of London floating over them, and this is Radio Duggernaut, of course. So uh, let's talk about Doug Marone uh, on this show. Red Sox are up on the Dodgers, one nothing in a uh, clunker of a game last night. We have the college basketball pay-for-play verdicts come in. Three guilty verdicts in the scandal that uh, where Adidas was trying to uh, 
guide kids to Kansas, Louisville, and uh, NC State. Uh, so a lot on the table today. We're going to have William Benditson, Patriots correspondent for Sports Exchange and Maven. He's going to be on the show uh, later on today. He's, we're going to talk about the Patriots matchup and if the Bills have any shot. Historically, the numbers are, are amazing. You, The only way you can't be super impressed by the lopsided numbers in this series is if you're a Bills fan. Because even if you're a Patriots fan, of course you're going to be impressed. A casual football fan has to look at it and say, my Lord. Tom Brady, by the way, just and these aren't this isn't a matchup stat per se. It's a career versus a franchise. Tom Brady, you add up his wins. He has about fifty percent. His wins equal about fifty percent of the Bills' entire franchise wins. The Bills have been around since nineteen sixty. He he's won more games in Buffalo than any quarterback other than three, Kelly and Ferguson. Jim Kelly, Joe Ferguson. People forget Jack Kemp. Now, if you want to say in Orchard Park, it would be Jim Kelly and Joe Ferguson. So I've made it the point to be in Western New York because you have the rock pile in in Buffalo. Right. So in that stadium. That's why you're who you are. Too. That's right. I get to the bottom of this. So we have a full plate today. We yes. have William Benson. We'll have Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas. 28 wins against the Bills, which is the most by any player against any team. And I want to say 14 in Orchard Park. Makes more sense. than believe, yeah, because this would be fifteen. I'm already giving him credit for Monday night. More than Ryan Fitzpatrick, more than Doug Flutie, more than Drew Bledsoe. I think I read he's tied with Tyrod Taylor and Drew Bledsoe, and would break that tie with another win. That sounds right, and I don't have the numbers here in front of me. I, well, maybe I do, but there's also an asterisk on it because one of uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's home victories was in Toronto, so you take that one out. Um, all right, maybe I'll get back to it. I think it, I have it here in my notes. I mean, I have it here, but this is from the Patriots media, so maybe, you, like you said with Jack Kemp, that's a little more context than they had. Right. So, Matthew Fairburn, what's the state of the Buffalo Bills? You cover the team for the Athletic. Uh, where are we right now here as we enter this dreaded Patriots week, Monday Night Football? The only highlight, and a lot of people talking about it today because they were doing interviews down at the stadium, Thurman Thomas getting his 34 retired. At least it's a distraction, but... The Bills, according to the Westgate uh, Casino Sportsbook, the Bills, Cardinals, and 49ers rock bottom for odds to win the Super Bowl. Well, you know, we know they're not, but just it always gives you some context. 5,000 to 1. Yeah, it's not going great. And I think you could make a case that they're the most unwatchable team in the league right now. Cardinals are up there. They were on Thursday night last week. The Giants are up there. They were on Monday night last week. So the league's doing a great job of showcasing these teams. The Giants but, at least have Saquon Barkley. And Odell a lot Beckham. Of, yes. Those guys are fun. The Bills don't, you know, and especially the Giants with also, out. The Giants also give you a really uh, interesting story because yes. of the way that the franchise is kind of falling apart and you have Eli Manning at quarterback. So even they're they're losing in a way, way more interesting way than the Bills are winning. Let's say the two. (laughs) And you always get a good Eli Manning face on national television, so you have to, you know, appreciate that. But with Derek Anderson at quarterback, no LaShawn McCoy in the backfield, the defense is running hot and cold right now. It's really just not a very good product on the field. And it's weird because a lot of people knew this was going to be really bad. A lot of people knew that this year was going to be about 
the Bills taking their medicine, but people aren't being very patient. They're not, you know, they're not ready to just give Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean a free pass for this season. They're ready to to kind of put them up, put their feet to the fire a little bit, and it's creating an interesting dynamic. And they're the only thing I think that can take pressure off of these guys besides winning a couple games, which probably isn't going to happen, is Josh Allen playing well. And now he's on the sidelines, you know, somewhat severely injured. So really not a lot of good things happening down there. Well, Matthew, you raised this point somewhere in our 16 hours of being in a car together over the weekend that what's the difference between a team, as Sean McDermott likes to put it, that is young and growing and learning and just a bad team that is going nowhere. I think we're trying to sift through this season and figure out which one of those it is because Sean McDermott stood up there on Monday and he said at least once, probably twice, that this is a young team. We got a lot, we're developing young players, I think was the way he put it. Well, I sat there and I'm like, who are you developing on offense? I mean, the offense is clearly the the side of the ball with the most troubles. Aaron Schatz wrote about it today from Football Outsiders. They have the worst DVOA, which is their their main metric of any offense in modern NFL history. The offense, I mean, you're Derek Anderson out there who's 35 years old. Granted, because your rookie quarterback is hurt, you had a 30-year-old running back who started in LaShawn McCoy, backed up by another 30-year-old in Chris Ivory. You had a, a not a young fullback in Patrick DeMarco. You have Kelvin Benjamin, who you're developing him. I mean, what are you doing? Yes, you're developing Zay Jones. You might be developing Cam Phillips for the few snaps that he played. You're not developing Ray Ray McLeod, who wasn't even at the game. He left them back in Buffalo. You're That's not all part of the development. Big football move. I mean, well, you've got you're not basically Holmes. you have Josh Allen, Deion Dawkins, Zay Jones, and maybe Wyatt Teller as pieces that you can – Hope to develop into starters right. on this football team. But he's team. not developing talent and, on the bench. Well, you can develop on the bench. Uh, Growth you know, mindset. I mean, you can. And their offensive line is not, not young. I mean, Dawkins but they is. Haven't, but. They haven't tried to even fix the offense. So it creates a, a situation where the offense is, you know, getting them the most criticism for what's happening. But they haven't even looked at that side of the ball. They've hardly done anything outside of trading up to get their quarterback to put pieces in place to make that side of the ball better. So people calling for Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean's jobs, you know, I can understand the frustration. And like you said, sometimes it's harder to tell. It's hard to tell the difference between a rebuild that's going off the rails and taking your, your lumps in one single season. But the fact of the matter is these guys are going to get 2019. They, Terry Pagula let them tear this roster down and pick it apart piece by piece. He has to let them build it back up. Otherwise, you're going to let somebody else, you know, build it back up. But I think the interesting part of this is if they really are the wrong guys, how much does it set the franchise back to let them be the ones to spend all this money and use all these draft picks? Mm, If they really aren't the right guys and they screw up next offseason, too, you're just compounding your mistakes. So I can kind of see both sides of of these guys getting a little bit of heat. But you don't know. But you don't know. That's the problem. uh, And they did okay with the defense. I think we knew enough about Doug Whaley when it came time for us to wonder whether or not this guy should be making the picks. Um, 
the way that he handled the Sammy Watkins uh, trade, the way that he stood by EJ Manuel, the way that uh, you know there was so much with with Doug Whaley after a few years. So I think we're still trying to figure out and and if we were to have any kind of optimism about Brandon Bean or Sean McDermott when they were hired, that hasn't changed for me. I know that we know a season and a half more of football about them, but I don't think that they've done anything that changes my mind about what they were here to do anyway. Agree. They just got lucky by going to the playoffs, which really does help them because it does get the pressure off their back. That albatross is gone, and they can now do this roster teardown with some with some room to breathe. Uh, because the fans, at least, uh, they got the playoffs, and you know this this pain. To use uh, Darcy Regeer, the suffering uh, sentiment is is real, and uh, a lot of teams go through it. And I've had discussions with some former Bills uh, who've uh, recently left the team and who were part of that 17 year playoff drought. Who, you know, look back on those years where, yeah, it felt good to patch a season together and to go with. Ryan Fitzpatrick because he was fun and he was a leader and you had a chance to win but had they bottomed out at one point then then maybe they strike it rich in the draft or they go and they get that quarterback uh, maybe they finish dead last the year Cam Newton's coming out and you get to have him as your quarterback instead of patching things together repeatedly so yeah uh, rebuilds can be painful and you know, again it was a kind of a funny line it's the type of line that we're probably going to hear uh, like uh, like Doug Marone's um, – oh, shoot, what was the one that Doug Marone – The privy thing? Well, that's Doug Whaley. Oh, sorry. Uh, but uh, <laughs> privy or, you know uh, – shoot. In but, what context? Well, it's, it, neither here. The, but uh, it will come to me during the commercial, the point I'm trying to make. But to finish up on that, with Sean McDermott talking about how losing supposed to hurt. You know, we're going to hear that quote over and over again, like Darcy Regeer's suffering or – uh, the other Doug Marone I'm trying to think of. Anyways, uh, it is supposed to hurt. And so I don't, don't... confuse effort with results. Is that it? No, it's something else that he okay. said uh, that was like classic laughing stock stuff. Do for uh, your country. <laughs> right. Not what your country can do for you. Yeah. Was it that? Um, anyways. Something about baloney, I think. <laughs> Yeah, our boy Doug. He's having a, he's having a rough go down there. Uh, Doug or not is uh, having a quarterback situation. Goes into the season with one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, his players are fist fighting each other, or essentially uh, getting physical as the media is walking into the locker room. They can't contain themselves. So you do hear all about uh, Sean McDermott and culture and those types of things, and and that has been a running joke about whether or not culture will win games for you. But uh, whatever Doug Marone's doing now down there in Jacksonville, culture seems to be tearing that team apart. All right, we need to take a break, and uh, we're going to come back. We're going to have William Benditson, the Patriots correspondent from Sports Exchange and Maven. Uh, he's going to talk to us about this upcoming matchup with the Bills and the Patriots. Uh, here on the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270. The Fan, the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555 on the web, violacummingslindsay.com. Hey! 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 Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show. All your favorite pedophile bumper music. 
Only you would know that. No, I think it's common knowledge. Uh, Gary you... Glitter does not get played. This song does not get played in stadiums much anymore. Really? Right. Oh, I've heard, I feel He's like a known a... pedophile. No, I know that, but I the two morning that. show hosts here, Bucky You didn't and know Sully, that, Jonah? Had I, no actually, idea. I didn't know who Gary Glitter was either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sounds Bucky like and... a pedophile name, though. Bucky and them grew up with it. They didn't know, so call me stupid. Nah. Bucky uses this to get <laughs> tell people to buck up. Yeah, he does. Yes, he does. Uh-oh. Interesting choice. We don't discriminate. Or should we? Gary Glitter sentenced to 16 years for sex abuse. <laughs> That's not fun. No, it's not. I don't know what's going on here. It's one thing to play it. It's another thing to make fun of it. I'm just stating facts. I'll make fun of Bucky, but not. Uh, there's, there's victims involved here. going to let this uncomfortable silence of uh, nobody talking over Bobby laughing at uh, the idea of pedophilia. This is where I like to bring in our sponsor. Uh, the Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Ah, yes. I'd rather have the silence. VCL Niagara, best in the business. <laughs> That's right. We're going to hear from William Benditson. He's the uh, Patriots correspondent for Sports Exchange and Maven. And uh, we'll talk to him about this uh, Patriots matchup on Monday night. Hey, not only on Monday night is there a distraction, uh, a diversion, if you will, with the Thurman Thomas number 34 retirement ceremony, but if you're a football fan and you're looking for uh, something else, you be. UB hosts Miami of Ohio in a matchup between the first and second place teams in the MAC East. That game is out at UB Stadium on Tuesday night. It's going to be on ESPN too. But um, if it weren't a school night, I think I'd take uh, I'd take the sun out to to see that. But Tuesday night, it's a good night for me. You it's could not be a good like night for him. Pretty much all the UB fans that only go for the first half. <laughs> I mean, that's that, not a fair shot. The, the the fans have been better this year with the team being better, but that's. A known thing about their crowd. First place versus second place. It uh, should be some good energy there. What do we think about uh, where UB is right now, Jonah? Jonah Bronstein, by the way. He handles things for Facebook Live. You can see a live stream of the Tim Graham Show, which will then be archived on Facebook on our on our various pages if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, also, Tim Graham Show is available on SoundCloud and iTunes. Right after the show, you can uh, download a podcast and listen to that. But uh, Jonah Bronstein of the Buffalo News. Uh, I, mean, I think they're playing great. Uh, you know, they, we, we knew coming into the year they had a star quarterback, Tyree Jackson, a star receiver, Anthony Johnson, a linebacker that a lot of people thought Khalil Hodge is, is an NFL player. But they've gotten contributions from a lot of different people, freshman running backs, defensive players that were lower on the depth chart that, that people didn't really know about. They're playing as good a defense as any UB team I've covered or can remember. And they're winning games. They made a lot of mistakes in the first half against Toledo last week and still came back and won that game going away by a couple touchdowns. They're really uh, – Lance Leipold's done a great job with that team, not just with the players he's brought in, but developing players who weren't quite this good a year, two, three years ago. And they really they're, – they're playing well on both sides of the ball. Offensively, they have balance. They're running. Really, the passing game hasn't been as good lately as it was earlier in the season or what some people expected. And they're still winning games comfortably, covering their spreads, and really look like the team to beat in the MAC. What do what are the big potholes that they need to traverse to get between 
Tuesday night and well, they're probably going to a bowl game because they're exciting enough. They have players that can be drafted, the whole thing. We shouldn't have to and worry. seven wins, they're definitely going to a yeah, bowl game. Yeah, right. And so it's not going to be a situation like last year where they're bowl eligible and get passed over, which is pretty tough to do because of the proliferation of uh, college bowl games that are out there. But what do they need to do between now and then to make sure that they've maximized uh, being able to finish this as – one of the be- it'll already go down as one of the best seasons in UB history, but there's a chance for them to be really disappointed. Is what I'm trying to get at. They need to close. They need to sprint through the finish line if they want to go down as the best team in in UB history. Right. Well, at this point, it's about winning the MAC. They're already bowl eligible. Last year they didn't get in with six wins, but now with seven wins, I don't think a team has ever been left out with seven wins since the bowls have expanded to where it is now. This is a big game. I mean, obviously, first and second in the Mackey's division, if they lose to Miami, they lose that tiebreaker. They might not get to the Mac title game if they lose this game. Miami would be in the driver's seat. And they got a game at Ohio. I believe that's two weeks from now. Another Mac East team. I think that, looking at the schedule at the beginning of the year, I thought that was their toughest game. A midweek game on the road against Ohio was picked to be the favorite in the East division, ahead of Buffalo, actually. That game could trip them up. But they're sort of at a point now at 4-0 in the MAC, they could lose one of these games and maybe still win the division and go to the MAC title game. They've built a little bit of a cushion. And you said for the best team in school history, I think they're right there right now. They do need to finish strong. Uh, the, the school record for wins is eight. If you go back to the 1959 team going 8-1, and one, but also Joe Licata's team going 8-5 and five and, and the bowl team, the, the MAC championship team coached by Turner Gill, they also went 8-5 and five, or 8-6, and six, I should say. But so if they win this game, they match that eight wins. And I think they'll get another win to get to nine. They could be a double digit win team. They really are, I think, statistically going to end up as the best team in school history. I'm not so sure they're a step above that 2008 team, but, you know, they really could be. And if they win a bowl game, they'll do something UB's never done before. Joe Licata won a football game. Has that happened since we've been back on the air? He did. They won their first football but game last Friday night. Last Friday night, yeah. So it, that's happened since our, our last show. His first victory. As a coach, yeah. As a high school coach, finally. St. Uh, uh, Bishop Time and St. Jude finally pulling one off. We're, try, we're efforting to get uh, William Bendison. I think maybe What's we should feeling, take What's the feeling, Jonah, on um, Tyree Jackson? Is he going to be back? Because they could keep this running for – another year if he were to come back my feeling is that he wouldn't be back now his statistically he's been under a 50 percent completion rate passer for the last four or five weeks he's not playing his best football lately now I do wonder if that continues through the rest of the season if he won't be necessarily in a position to be drafted early and want to come back to have a better year but I I still think that He's probably a guy that leaves now. He's going to graduate. He's been at UB for four years, even though he still has another coming, year. Coming back to UB is not the same as coming back to Alabama or USC or a program like that. There's really, I don't think, a lot you can do to maximize yourself. You know, Once you're already out there and known and a known commodity, especially at these positions, at a quarterback, and maybe with Khalil Mack it was different, but he, he still – was not Khalil Mack until his senior year and the game against Ohio State, which is re- he really needed. I-, I think that's enough scouts have seen what they need to out of UB's prospects right. for them but to come he... back and, and have that, uh, another year in the Mid-American Conference versus blowing out your ACL or something crazy happening isn't probably isn't worth it at co- for quarterback or a receiver. But if he gets a day three grade 
then I think the conversation might change for him. And I think that's possible, um, like you said, given the fact that he's not necessarily playing his best football in the last month or so. I think it would be an interesting decision because he's going to lose his top receiver. This is you know, going to be most likely a magical year for the program. Easy chance to go out on top, but on the same token, you have a chance to maybe hang around, put together a more complete season and – I mean, we've seen some quarterbacks really take big jumps. You know, Blake Bortles came out of nowhere to, you know, become a top five pick. And so maybe you get a chance to, uh, you know, boost your stock that way. Spend an offseason with one of these quarterbacks, coaches. I think it'll be an interesting decision for him, of course, depending how he plays down the stretch because they have big games coming up and then maybe even a conference championship game. And you mentioned he loses his top receiver and his number two receiver, two or three of their starting linemen. UB's probably not going to be quite as good next year. So I don't know if he, if you do that calculation, if he comes back into a better situation than he is right now. This is just an example, and, and it's, you're going to laugh at the example because of what's happened to him in the news recently and the fact that he's now out of the NFL, and that's Chad Kelly. But when he was contemplating coming out of Ole Miss a year early, which in retrospect he probably should have done, but he went through the clearinghouse, he went through the process, he got a draft grade of – you either get a first, a second, or a third or beyond, right? That's how they I do it now. So. And so he got the third or beyond, and he decided he was going to come back. Now, even though he was the Sugar Bowl MVP, he was coming off a pretty—I mean—a pretty impressive junior season in which he was setting Ole Miss records and was having some of the greatest seasons for a quarterback in SEC history. And then he decided to come back to ensure his place in the draft, maybe even be a Heisman Trophy candidate which now we're looking back on it, we're rolling our eyes, but that was not, at the time, considered laughable at all. He was on the uh, he was on preseason Heisman Trophy lists, and what happens? He injures his knee, He asked, or, and then uh, he had two injuries that he was dealing with. I'm sorry, his wrist, uh, he had previously had a knee injury, and I'm, maybe I'm confusing him a little bit there, but I know it was the, the throwing wrist, and um, he's unable to play. And his stock fell until the point where he's Mr. Irrelevant. Now, unfortunately for for him, he's really Mr. Irrelevant in the NFL because of what happened uh, a couple of nights ago. Uh, so just for anybody who's not sure, uh, Von Miller, the Denver Broncos pass rusher, has a annual Halloween party, and it's for the players. It's not a charity event or anything like that. And, you know, you bring your plus ones, and everybody gets together, and they have a good time. And Chad Kelly got in his cups a little bit, and uh, – well, that hasn't been reported. I think we're assuming that there was some level of intoxication involved. That hasn't been in the police report or in the affidavits. But he gets into an altercation with a guest at the Halloween party. He then gets in an altercation with the hired security that's there, ends up walking into a stranger's house, incoherent, uh, babbling, uh, gets uh, hit. Sits down on a woman's couch. Yeah, sat down next to, yeah, sat next down, uh, right next to a woman right there in her living room and got chased out and gets arrested. So now today the Denver Broncos, uh, I'm sure that when he was drafted he was on a uh, – no tolerance policy given all of his issues at Clemson and uh, in high school and all the different things uh, at Ole Miss because of what happened at St. Joe's when he got involved in that uh, crazy uh, ran on the field yeah, against Timon. Yeah, it was Timon St. Joe's lacrosse game that his brother was playing in. He runs out on the field to try to defend his brother and gets involved in a melee and the the shooting incident or the alleged uh, I'm going to get a gun and shoot the place up uh, downtown. Uh, right after he committed to Ole Miss. So anyway, Chad Kelly's uh, in a bad spot. But had 
butterfly effect. Had he come out a year early, had he ignored the clearinghouse, he probably would have been. And you know how quarterbacks are. He probably, just because the clearinghouse says in November that you're going to be a, you project as a third round pick, you know how quarterbacks get hot and end up all of a sudden, you know, who knows? Maybe it would have been a second round pick, a third round pick. Uh, maybe, you know, he w- certainly wouldn't have been the last pick in the in the last round of the draft a year later. Maybe he gets different opportunities. Oh, geez. I mean, I guess a big part of the reason he went back to Ole Miss for a senior year was maturity reasons. They thought he needed to prove himself some more as a as an adult, and I guess it didn't all work out. And Instead, he gets beaten by a vacuum cleaner. It's a tough way to go to the NFL. That's true. At his last, his last uh, NFL his last day in the NFL, he was getting struck about the the head and shoulders by a, a vacuum clean wand, a vacuum cleaner wand. You think he's done? Won't get another chance. Yeah, he's, he's toxic. I mean, you can't. And I don't mean him. I mean his situation. I mean, he walked into. But now here's the thing: Kiko Alonso did the same thing when he was in college. He got drunk. He got blind drunk. Walked into some woman's house. Thought it was his. Banged on the door to get in. Got a friend who did that, and he's an upstanding member of society. I mean, yeah. if we Googled it, we'd probably find a handful of these of athletes. Kiko Alonso has been making millions of dollars in the NFL. It's and, not uh, in and of itself a you know death sentence to do that. And Chad Kelly was being talked, Matt, about him maybe t- taking over as the Broncos' starting quarterback for, for Case Keenum. Right. There were some before Within Case the last Keenum, couple of days. Yeah, before Case Keenum had that game against the Cardinals. That wasn't anything spectacular, but it was a big win. There were rumblings that this guy was making some noise, and you know maybe they would they would go to him. But you know what he did, I, I think, isn't necessarily the worst thing anybody in the NFL has ever been accused of. But when you add it to the list of other things that he's done, and that's I think why he ends up getting released. And I mean, let's face it, if he were you know, a bona fide stud at the position, it would be a different story. But at that position, it's such a weird, you know, leadership thing that you can't be that type of guy. That's right. Where you have if to you're be... a wide receiver or a corner, you get three or four chances because, you know, you just go out there and, and you're one eleventh. You just go out there and play. But the quarterback has to be a face of the franchise. And, and carry to himself face, with... Uh... You don't want the face of your franchise to be a mugshot, essentially. You know what? He was smart, and I am saying this a little bit tongue-in-cheek. You know, he was smart with his mugshot, though. He smiled. And, lucky for him, he's wearing orange, which could that could have been his Broncos his gear. headshot. Yeah. Well, do you smile during a headshot? Yes. Yeah? Do you speak yes. experience? Maybe. Yeah. Because I Everybody should smile in a mugshot. Be... I've seen those as celebrities. Otherwise, you get the Nick Nolte mugshot. Where yeah, everybody's going to make fun of it. Too angry, but you, I find it kind of funny when people are really guffawing. I think you try, head, I think you want to make it look well. like whatever your driver's license photo looks like. It makes you look pure evil. It's like Pablo Escobar laughing in his mugshot, and that's always the you know right. The it, somebody's just laughing. Him. I either think you're blind drunk or <laughs> just oblivious to the situation. You th- I think, I think, you, think you, you just go so- up there. You because nobody's happy to be. No, getting a mugshot taken. But, but you're supposed to, I think, conf- you see it with celebrities like uh, Mel Gibson smiling in his, you know, there's some like you don't want it to be an obvious mugshot. I yeah, think you, you want to be. Who's the guy that was on the Browns that's got the best? <laughs> Desmond Bryant? Yes. Yes. <laughs> who's got, 
he looks very drunk and not happy. You might as well be happy, I guess. Yes. All right. Uh, William Bendison's going to join us. Uh, we're going to talk about the Patriots. How dare he? And, uh, well, I know. William Bendison is, uh, I think he's, uh, he's a star in the making. I, th- I love his videos. And uh, he does great breakdowns in very quickly too. Like his his videos are like he's no nonsense. He is gets right to the point. He tells you what's going on with the Patriots. Uh, he was outside of Fenway Park yesterday doing a video for the Maven. He was at the JetBlue Terminal. Yeah, he was looking for Rob Gronkowski at the JetBlue Terminal in Chicago. He put a day in for on crying Sunday out. from the JetBlue Terminal. He flew in, flew out one day. We're going to have uh, William Bendison on, and we're going to talk about that Bills-Patriots matchup. We're going to talk about what's going on with Tom Brady, the uh, uh, mojo that he's maybe rekindling with uh, Julian Edelman. Gilmore, maybe. Yeah, we'll get we'll Chris see Hogan. what's going up with all with with all the former bills. When we come back on the Tim Graham show with my co-host, the big crooked Mike Rodak of ESPN.com, with Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, with Jonah Bronstein of the Buffalo News, full studio, and a guy who's keeping it all down, Bobby Rosati, our producer, here on the Tim Graham show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com, and maybe actually we can get somebody from Viola Cummings and Lindsay on to talk about uh, mugshots. Like maybe if they have advice on if you were to get a mugshot, like what do you want to do? I, I, all right, we'll talk about this later on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Hosted a primetime game. They had the opener Thursday against count. the Jets. That was a Thursday, right? You're talking Monday night mu- game? It was against the Dolphins. No. Well, that was a Thursday night game back in that was a little while ago. And they've since they've hosted another a Thursday night yeah, game man. where Ryan Fitzpatrick lit Rex Ryan up right. like a Christmas 2016, tree, Jets. and he fired Greg Roman the next day when they oh, because it was Greg right. Roman's fault that okay. Ryan Fitzpatrick no, well, Rex, looked like Joe as Rex Montana. said, he'd be the first one to take a bullet. He'd be the first, you know what to go. So he claims. Big Crooked Mike Rodak here in studio. He's my co-host. He's here always. Matthew Fairburn, not here always, but he's here today. And um, this is a little uh, cross-marketing. Matthew Fairburn coming on my show. I'm on his uh, podcast with Joe Buscaglia a couple of times. I say that fine. I should say that. People don't know the inside. I, I I call it, you know, Joe Buscaglia, sports director from Channel 7. I know how to say it. And uh, Jonah Bronstein's here also from the Buffalo News, handling things on Facebook Live. You can see a live uh, stream of the Tim Graham Show on Facebook. And uh, you can also download podcasts of the Tim Graham Show on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Bobby Rosati, of course, did on the knobs. Uh, The Tim Graham Show. And, And you should have this information written down, maybe put it in your pocket if you're going to the game on Monday night. Punch in this phone number, put it in your phone, have it on speed dial, given what happens at primetime games and, you know, shenanigans. Things might get out of hand if Patriots in town put a stomping on the bills. You're there for Thurman. You're going to be all geared up from your happy hour and then straight to the stadium or tailgating or whatever you're doing. Could get ugly. It could be one of those things where the only entertainment you have is uh, fisticuffs? Is festivities and fisticuffs? If you get injured slamming through a table, I, can you? Who do you sue? <laughs> well, the table maker. I'll tell you what. You know who you call is if it happens. If 
Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys, call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. I'm going to give that to you again. Lindsay with an A. Lindsay with an A. L-A-N-D-S-A-Y. It's important. Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys, call. I'm going to slow down. Jot it down. Put it right in your phone. 716-285-9555 for all your bills getting thrown out of the stadium needs. Visit them on the web at violacummingsandlindsay.com. And here to tell us, or to give us at least a New England perspective as to how bad things are going to get, because he follows these guys. He's been monitoring, covering, reporting on the New England Patriots all season for Sports Exchange and Maven. William Bendison is joining us to give us the Patriots side of the equation and, and how well these guys are playing. They're surging, but William, thanks so much for coming on with us. Oh, good to be on with Tim. And I remember Rodak when he was a lot younger. He's still young, but uh, <laughs> he left Boston area for greener pastures in Buffalo. So, you know, it's good to it's good to know he's still alive, still doing well. You're doing well, Tim. So it's good to be on with you guys. Thanks, William. Do you think it's greener pastures here? Would you trade right now with Mike Rodak? I mean, look, Rodak's a star. I mean, uh, people still talk about him here. Uh, you know, uh, he was. Uh, what do they say? <laughs> he's an upper comer then you know all of a sudden and, and now he's in buffalo and i'm sure all the girls at buffalo love him and you know so he's, i don't know I've not, he's you know, still I've an up-and-comer he's he hasn't seemed to pan out yet but we're we're hoping <laughs> he's like that guy if uh you ever you know collect sports cards he's that guy who's always on the prospect or rated rookie like three years yeah. in a row but we're waiting for him to finally hit it I'm like lawrence maroney first round yeah. pick that never panned out i'm just gonna meander along my career here chad jackson yeah, but, from new england yeah. to buffalo listen there's a reporter here i'm mean, gonna name him but uh, one time uh, they were in buffalo a person reporter needed a ride home and mike graciously gave the reporter a ride home so you know every all good things are said about him here yeah i only paid him 50 bucks to tell tell us all about that <laughs> so uh, so, William, I see that you're outside uh, Fenway Park last night. William Bendison on the line with us, by the way. He's the uh, Patriots correspondent for Sports Exchange in Maven. Are you were you working in some baseball coverage? No, I actually wasn't. I had to be uh, Brookline for something, and which is right next to Fenway. So, with these videos, which I think ninety percent of the people in the media have liked, ten percent not. Uh, just shot them at random locations because I thought it was funny, you know. Gillette a lot of times, but also, you know, on the tee and at Fenway and at Dunkin' Donuts. And That's right. Sort of a funny idea to, you know, for the fans at random locations in Boston. So generally they've been getting good feedback. So. We mentioned during the last segment about you going to JetBlue and, you know, sniffing around for Rob Gronkowski. But we forgot, we, 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 we were watching your videos on the drive from uh, Buffalo to Indianapolis. Uh, Mike Rodak and Matthew Fairburn and I were all in the same car, and, and we were watching uh, the coverage, and, and you did them from the tee. You were on the train, and, uh, you, yeah, yeah, there's ambiance here. That's what I thought. You know, I thought cause if I was shooting every one from Gillette, it would get a little tiresome, same background, so I thought it would be funny just to shoot in random locations. Someone's asked me to shoot from the duck boat, and, you know, we'll see how long this thing lasts. I might run out of locations. So, you know, but I'm sure in Boston there are enough monuments. And so, and uh, Scott Zolak, he's been, you know, plugging them away. So I shot one in the rain that got over 40,000 views. So, hey, you know, it's fun. It's, it's a lot easier work than writing the story. So, no, that's a you fact. Know, it doesn't take, 
So as you guys know, well, we're enjoying them, and I, I want to uh, recommend William Bendison uh, to anybody who's out there listening, whether it's uh, on the air live right now or on the Tim Graham Show podcast, to give William a, a follow and uh, and not only follow his uh, coverage on the Patriots, but his videos are uh, I, I love them. Uh, so, yeah. William, let's talk about the Patriots here. Um, what's the vibe on these guys? I think from afar we we see them because they're on national TV a lot. Their highlights are always prominently shown. So it's pretty easy to get your eyes on the Patriots if you're a sports fan. But what can you tell us about any kind of the, the behind-the-scenes rhythms of this team and, and how they're uh, coming together as they enter Orchard Park on Monday night? Well, I think, uh, you know, it's twofold with the offense. Um, there were worries after the Jacksonville and Detroit losses early in the season. What was going to happen at receiver? They went into those games with only three active receivers, Cordero Patterson, um, Chris Hogan, and Philip Dorsett. And it didn't look very good at receiver. Um, but the offense has really come together the last few games. Um, you know, getting Josh Gordon help, it gives them a deep threat. I don't think he's going to be the 2013 Josh Gordon, as some expect. But if he can catch 40 to 45 passes and give you a deep threat, he had a big fourth and one catch. He had a long 55-yard catch against Chicago uh, that led to a touchdown. That's a, a huge plus for the offense. Edelman has seemed not to miss a beat. He's been very good since he's been back. And, uh, you know, Chris Hogan, who had disappeared, I thought, the last two games, has played pretty well. He made a big catch against Kansas City, had a big second half against Chicago. As for defensively, I th- and also on offense, Sony Michel, who weirdly people are calling a bust after the first two games. I don't expect him to play Monday night because he hurt his knee against the Bears, but he has been running really well. And also James White, no surprise, has been playing well, catching the ball out of the backfield. Defensively, it's still you know a work in progress. I think there's not much of a pass rush. They brought in Adrian Claiborne to be a situational pass rusher for a couple of games. He's been not last week in Chicago, but a couple of the home games during their three game home stretch, he played better. Uh, so he, you know, you don't know what quite you're going to get from him. And then, you know, Hightower has looked faster. He's improving and uh, Gilmore's played well, but the rest of the defense, the second corner position has looked shaky. The safeties have looked kind of shaky. So defensively they've shown that they can uh, be scored upon. We're in conversation with William Benditson, Patriots correspondent for Sports Exchange and Maven. Um, William, because he's there's uh, he's doubly uh, followed here by Bills fans because, of course, he went to Williamsville North uh, here in suburban Buffalo, and because he crushes them on a regular basis. Uh, how has the Rob Gronkowski story panned out over the season? I'm not just talking about the recent injury stuff, but you know the trade talk and those stories that were coming out. And he confirmed that he turned down a trade uh, that would have sent him to Detroit. And uh, what's just your your sense on Gronkowski as this season has unfolded? Um, I think it's actually been good. I think there was some worry that about his focus. Look, I think you're naive if, he did, if you think he didn't contemplate retirement in the offseason. His body was very beaten up. It was a long season. You know, playing for Bill Belichick is a grind. But this year he's come in. He's worked hard. He's not said anything, you know, out there. I know he hasn't had a touchdown maybe since the first game, I think. But overall, he's played well. I mean, against the Kansas City game, uh, they double-teamed him most of the game. And inexplicably, Andy Reid decided to single-team him on the last offensive play. He caught about a 40-yard pass. It set up the winning um, uh, field goal. So 
I think uh, Gronk has been overall uh, very good. You know, I think it's important to remember he's in his ninth year now. He's taken a lot of hits. He's beat up. So, you know, he's going to miss some games. Obviously, he missed last week against Chicago. He might miss the Buffalo game. I don't have any insight right now as to whether he's going to play. But, you know, he's got the ankle injury, and then I think the back is going to keep bothering him. So, but overall, I think it's been good. He's been a good citizen. You know, there's been no – I don't think he's causing any – dissension or any division in the locker room no chad kelly moments for rob gronkowski you're saying no i mean i think the one thing was i think it was after the detroit loss one of his brothers who was promoting his ice shaker went on local sports radio here and said you know gronk is unhappy he's getting double teamed he wants more weapons around him but gronk sort of put out the fire that week by saying you know that was my brother he was getting carried away even though maybe he agreed with them he's not he didn't try to further any division. So I think, look, he came in here with his contract. He got some more incentives. Obviously he wanted to be paid closer to a receiver, but he recognizes that if he wants to stay here and play with Brady, that's probably not going to happen. So I think he's accepting of it is what it is. Having talked to him several times, one-on-one, um, I, I think that he's, you know, he's overall happy. He's, I think the, the having covered Gronkowski his rookie year, I think he's a wiser Gronkowski in the sense that, he realizes now the NFL is a business. Um, you know, it's not all fun and games. He realizes sometimes the team will not give you the contract extension you want. So he's certainly more sophisticated about re- recognizing that it's a business now and that given the position he plays, he's only going to last so long. You know, I don't know how much longer he plays after this year, maybe two, three years. I don't know. I wouldn't expect it to be longer than that. There's occasionally been some groaning in Buffalo over – you know, former Bills players who have gone on to have success in New England. Maybe not so much with Stephon Gilmore because that was such a big contract and I don't think anybody really expected or even wanted the Bills to re-sign him at that price. But more, I'm talking Chris Hogan. Um, I guess Mike Gillisley at the very beginning, his first game, he's had a couple touchdowns and then it kind of went south from there. But um, where do things stand with Chris Hogan in this offense? I know we saw him, I think it was two years ago in the AFC Championship, have a pretty big game, but seems like maybe his role hasn't quite materialized this year, uh, even with some of the thinness at receiver. Yeah, I think it's interesting with Hogan. I wasn't so high on him in uh, training camp. I, you know, I think uh, he, he, you know, first of all, I think with Hogan, it's an incredible story. He didn't play college football. He played college lacrosse. He got a tryout. He eventually made it with the Bills and the Patriots. So you really have to give him a lot of credit. That's not easy to do. I just didn't think, you know, he's never had more than 40 catches in a season. Some of that's because of his injury. You know, when you take his durability, um, you know, it's it's sometimes questionable. You know, he, as I said, he get hurt a lot. But I think the big thing that's helped Hogan is when they only had those three receivers active, he was, you know, getting matched up with the number one or maybe number two corner. Now when you got Edelman and Josh Gordon, you know, he's kind of, and James White and Gronkowski, you don't really worry about him that much. And that's when I think Hogan can play at his best. He can get the favorable matchups. I mean, in the Kansas City game, he had a big 42-yard catch. And Brady said, look, I had to throw it to him because everyone else was either, you know, I think on that play, White and Gronkowski were double-teamed. So he made a play. And last week, you know, in the first half, I think he had only one catch uh, for three yards. But in the second half, he ended up having, the end of the game was about six catches for 70 yards. So he played well, and he can. He can. I think what Hogan is is he can run those ten to fifteen yard crossers, which is valuable uh, in in their offense where the slot position can get a lot of production. We've seen it with Edelman. We've seen it with Hogan. We've seen it with Wes Welker previously. 
So I think he can play a nice role here in the, in the second half of the season and, uh, you know, make people like me who were critical of him early in the season because I didn't think he was doing that much. I, I think he can be a valuable third or fourth wide receiver, which is what I think he should be. William Bendison, Patriots correspondent for Sports Exchange and Maven. Uh, William, thanks for coming on. Uh, are you taking requests on uh, places to do your, your videos? You know, I, I thought, you know, to be honest with you, Tim, I thought maybe it would be a good thing for charity, you know, I come somewhere and, I don't know, raise money, but I'm, uh, maybe I'm deluding myself, too, that people are that interested. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think you might be onto something here, William. I'm enjoying it. I them. think so. And, Will, you're, you know, you're uh, a, uh, a published author, right? Can we find your book anywhere? Yeah, yeah well, it's actually interesting. Uh, I know that, um, uh, my, you know, it's not in the bookstores anymore because it came out in 2010, but uh, it was on the 90 Giants and retired player issues. But uh, it's actually interesting, as you know, um, Thurman Thomas's number is getting retired Monday night in uh, Buffalo. You guys obviously know mm-hmm. that. But, you know, when I went to for my book um, to the Hall of Fame in Canton where Bill Belichick sent his uh, game plan from 90 where, the uh, as you know, the Giants beat the Bills in the Super Bowl. And one of the things was that whole game plan was predicated on conceding the run to Thomas and taking him out of the passing game, you know, to butch the flood is the football terminology, which means, as Letter Marshall, I wrote it, you know, kick the you-know-what out of Thomas every time he started to run his route. So I think it shows how much respect Belichick had for him and what a great player Thurman Thomas was. I mean, he was, you know, really a great player. And I, I think it's a great honor. I, you know, watched him a lot for my book, that Super Bowl. And I know how much respect the Giants players had for him. And being, you know, you can talk about Andre Reid or anybody else, but I think they would all say he was their best offensive player on those teams. So, it's a well-deserved honor, I feel, for uh, Thurman Thomas Monday night. William Benson, again, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I've yeah, really anytime, enjoyed guys. this. I love you, Tim. I like Rodak. You know, sometimes I, I love I you too, William. Here and there, see how he's doing, <laughs> and you know, he's busy. I don't always get a response, but you know, uh, I, I really like Mike Rodak. I liked him when he was here, so. Yeah, Mike, you, you have an open invitation. You seem to be going pretty thick on you this. You can have him back if you really like him. That <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, can't say know, I use Facebook all If he comes to Boston, I'll much, take him for but... a beer. I'm a man of my word. He can have a – you know, he's old enough to drink now, so. You know. <laughs> Ever going to see you out here, Will? He does get carded, Yeah, though. no, I'll be in Buffalo. You will? So, yeah. Okay. You, you, see Tim, you in the press box. The we'll yeah. all be there. Give William oh, Benditson a follow at Patriots Maven, and uh, you'll enjoy it. Uh, that's my well, recommendation to anybody listening. Give William Bennettson a follow. Uh, William, thanks for joining I us. I have we'll to say, there's a, a yeah. lot, if I can get one more thing, sure. a lot of crazy, in the craziness in the business. But I think Tim and, um, and Mike are really good guys, so I'm uh, happy for your uh, success. We're probably the nicest people on the planet. <laughs> in the business, And your other anyway. co-host, who I don't know, he sounds good. But, Matthew uh, Fairburn, he's a nice fella. Yeah, so hopefully I'll meet him someday, too. You'll see him on Monday. <laughs> we'll have a good Perfect. time. All right, William Bendison here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to get into some more Bills Patriots talk. We're going to talk about Chad Kelly and the art of a mugshot, whether or not you should uh, smile for it. Should you look like some badass? Do you want to look crunk? I don't know. (laughs) I don't think you want to look crunk. What one does in a mugshot? Uh, We're going to get into it. We're going to maybe talk about other people who've just walked into somebody's house like they uh like they belong there and uh and have gotten second chances chad kelly though he was out of second chances when the broncos drafted him his fifth chance uh 
Tim Graham Show brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. This is the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show. Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay. Your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. This, of course, is Radio Duggernaut, the Tim Graham Show. We've uh, discussed a lot. Chad Kelly being released. Doug Marone falling apart with the Jaguars. UB versus Miami on Tuesday night in a battle of first versus second. In the MAC East, that game's on ESPN, too. Red Sox-Dodgers, game two tonight. College basketball, pay-for-play scandal, three guilty verdicts. The Sabres play the Canadiens, the first uh, place Canadiens. Tomorrow, no. Yeah, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night at the Key Bank Center. You know, the Bills uh, have the Patriots coming into town, and there's an awful lot of dread that comes with this home game every year against the Patriots and uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick essentially just stick a cleat right in Western New York's butt on a regular basis. What if the Bills were to win this game? Well, I know you like to accuse me of being a Patriots. Is it a honk or a wonk? A honk. A honk. <laughs> Both. Better than being a wonk. I literally have the exact... I think we've had this, this discussion I have before. the tape of you saying that exact thing. Honk or wonk? In the exact same way. Really? Okay. Yes. Well, I'll, I'll play it for you. Big crooked Mike Rodak here. That's my co-host. Uh, he's from ESPN.com. Matthew Fairburn is here in studio with us today. My brother from The Athletic, Jonah Bronstein, uh, handling Facebook Live and uh, chiming in. And Bobby Rosati is the producer. Just let me set the stage. You okay. know, we're starting a new hour, Mike. I know you're getting all, you got the Jimmy leg going. No, and you're ready I, to go. I, you're feeling sore over watching your boyhood that's idol, what I was Adam Vinatieri, bring up. I wanted to miss come a clean. couple extra points. I wanted to come clean. I screwed up. I overestimated him. He missed two extra points. You're sitting next to me in the press box, and each time I looked at you and I said, you're going to kill me for this on Wednesday. And Here's your opportunity. Kill me. No, I don't need to. You already have. I don't need to. Yeah. People know. But with that said, who scored more points on Sunday? Vinatieri or Hushka? Well, it didn't get into a field goal kicking competition. That was certainly not. Which, so I was wrong on that. I thought that the Bills defense would acquit itself a lot more than it did. So let's say that they. Get it back on track. 40% of the Bills' scoring came from uh, the Colts scored 40% of the Bills' points. Actually, a safety. It was the high snap to Andrew Luck. But let's say that the defense does round back into form, shall we say, and that they're able to hold Tom Brady to, I don't know, something crazy, 17, 20 points, which – you know, there's still a greenness to Josh Gordon and um, even Julian Edelman being back on the field. It's possible. They're going to be without Sonny Michelle after his knee injury. That, that seems to sideline him for a couple weeks. It's not official that he's out for this game, but that seems reasonable. What are you getting at in your slow-rolling, right. prattling way? Are you saying that the Bills can beat the Patriots? I'm saying what if that happens and what if offensively 
as our friend William Benison just said, the Patriots' defense gives up some points. Well, they're prone to that. And Derek Anderson walks out of New Year Field, the new, with a win. I've been doing really well on my fantasy uh, teams lately because I've been dealing with quarterback buys of just picking up the quarterback that's going against the Patriots. And I've been racking up points because the defense is weak. So let's say that happens. And Derek Anderson Anderson shakes off whatever ailed him on Sunday and they they walk out of there with a win. I I will say this, to to your point. Yeah. Derek Anderson, with the exception – Charles Clay's fumble was not Derek Anderson's fault. Derek Anderson moved the ball. Until, yeah, the last couple drives where he was getting picked off and, and trying to force it. I mean, they did not have three and outs like I thought they were going to have. No. They actually his, got first downs. For most of the game, his passer rating was second or third best this season for the Bills. It wasn't until that last well. interception where it, it dipped. Now, that's not saying much, but comparatively, it was still better than what we've seen. Total offense was a season high. Right. He was getting the ball out on time, on, you know, the last step of his drop. Occasionally that resulted in bad plays, negative plays for the offense, but he was actually operating the offense in a timely manner, which no quarterback has done. Throwing the ball as the receiver is going into his break, which means he's going to get some separation as opposed to throwing him covered. You know, the opposite of you hear about quarterback throwing a guy open. Josh Allen has been pretty good at throwing a guy covered. So the Patriots lose. So you are actually getting me. So I should take the fourteen points. No, I'm. I'm saying if if that does happen, I will say I do like the. Call me a Patriots this, honk, but I don't think that win means very much for the Buffalo Bills. You're telling me that if the Bills beat the Patriots, it doesn't mean anything. If Derek Anderson beats the Patriots, who then would fall the five and three and have a. I don't know, 90% chance of winning the division. The Bills have, uh, right now, according to ESPN, a 0.4% chance of making the playoffs. That would not go up by a whole lot if they beat this, the Patriots. You know, improved, what, 3-5? and five, And there's still not a lot of hope left this season. I don't think it means much. I think that Bills fans need to get out of the mindset of the Patriots game being their Super Bowl Please stop banging on every the table. Year. I, I, this is a, a point where I want to bang on the table. Because I'd rather you didn't. When I came here, it always struck me as odd. Like, why is this game the one? I, I guess I get it, but I don't agree with it. It's always the Super Bowl. Well, you know, we can go six and ten, but if we beat the Patriots, that's all that matters. No, it's not that's, all that's that a, matters. That's a but losing to say mentality. It, to say it doesn't matter, I think, is absolutely ridiculous. I don't when think you're it, looking at a, a combo and Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean who are under probably more public pressure this week than they've been under since they arrived in Buffalo. If you don't think beating the Patriots would give them some sort of validity to what they're doing on Monday night football, on Monday night football on a national stage would be an empty victory. Then I think you're just, you're, you're the Patriots honk. Everybody accuses you of being, I, I think that it doesn't mean anything for the future. What are you proving that you can do in 2019 if Derek Anderson beats the Patriots? Is he going to be your quarterback next year? Well, that is me. That well, that's one position. What about Tremaine Edmonds feeling like he can beat the Patriots or Harrison Phillips or Tredavious White? Well, what if it's a fluke? And what if they go down there in December, December 23rd well, in Gillette Stadium, okay, and, so and the Patriots no, no, put up no, no, 400 so no, yards? Now you're layering other variables, hypotheticals. On it. I just don't think it would have a whole lot of This meaning. is also their first division game. So if they can 
beat the Patriots, and they can look back and say, and we beat the Vikings, and they're in first place now, and, you know, well... Maybe it gets them thinking. Maybe and, it. Gets... You heard Sean McDermott say that on Monday. Like, oh, well, we almost beat the Texans, and now the Texans are in first place. Well, if you beat the Texans, and the Texans want to be in first place, if for no other reason than it's... it gets the public off their back a little bit, then I think it's important because Wait, are the Vikings in first place didn't didn't Mike Hyde say a couple weeks ago there the there place. are no moral victories, and I get that this would be a true victory, yeah, it would be a win, but in terms of the entire season, it would just be a moral victory in an otherwise I don't know five and eleven, six and ten season. Well, in For that the, case, all victories are empty victories because what does any of this really mean? Well, I think all it's victories just, and just seasons sports. where you don't make the playoffs. So all what do the, they mean? Well, you could argue every victory last year was empty, and that the playoff well, berth the was empty, but. Then every victory anybody has, unless they win the Super Bowl, is just empty. I think if they win and can get some people believing in them again and buy themselves some time, there's some value to that. And to Tim's point, to show some of these guys in the locker room that you don't just go out there and lose to the Patriots. That the Patriots they're just another invincible. team. You're as likely to beat them as you are to beat the Vikings in Minnesota as you are to beat the Titans at home. I mean... Or to lose there's to been the a mental block with Lions the Patriots at home as they could. They could, and but there's been a mental block with the Patriots for too long, and so any win you get against them, outside of the ones where you know Tom Brady doesn't play, I think is valuable in some sense, especially in a rebuilding year with a young locker room. It's these not a young victi- locker room. These it's, are the victories I will contend you want. that point every single sure, day. Of it's the season. not a young locker it's room. It's not but a they've young got locker room. On on defense, three key starters or three key players. Are rookies? No one, no one guy's second year. No other so team in the NFL, and no other team in the NFL has started more first and second year players in the NFL this year. So yeah, on paper you can look at the locker room and say, yeah, if you want to use median, where Lorenzo Alexander and Kyle Williams and Ramon Humber pulling down the average, but there are a lot of important young players on the team. Milano, Tre'Davious White are second year guys. Harrison Phillips, Taron Johnson, Tremaine Edmonds are all rookies. The defense is somewhat young. And the offense is, who cares about the offense? Because there's nobody there that is really all that important to the future. But That's my point. Well, But that doesn't mean that this defense isn't a big part of their identity. All right, so if, if the win is going to be hollow, then you, can, you are then are throwing away the right to be critical of them for, even, for any loss for the rest of the year. If anything, if it, doesn't matter, too? if it doesn't matter, that, then why... Then why be critical of anything? It's a good point, Tim. Well, that's the point I want to make. I love Mike's tact here of kicking the Bills while they're down, but then, well, if they win, it's going to be meaningless. And when they do win, yeah, what, what are they really well, building I think if you win with win the Josh Allen, then hell yeah. Yeah. I'd love to watch that. But winning with Derek Anderson, it's just like, ugh. This would be a big win. Okay. You could call it a moral victory cool. for the fan base. To win at home on Monday night, I think it's been – 1999 is the last time they've won a Monday night game. They haven't won too many of these primetime games at home. It's one of the last opportunities, probably not the last, but one of the last opportunities for them to beat Tom Brady here in this stadium. It would be a memorable, even if they don't win another game all season. Isn't the last time they memorable. won a Monday night game at home, wasn't it against John Elway? I want to say That it was, I don't know. I, I, I want to say it was 1999. I, you sure? I, well, that's it's what I read. I didn't see what the game was. I have a list here I can look back. All right. Well, we'll get that in the commercial. So we're going to come back. We're going to talk more about this. We'll keep putting Mike Rodak in his place, <laughs> the big crooked that he is, uh, and more, and much, much more on the Tim Graham Show.
Brought to you by Viola Cummings Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Go to the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Catch them there. They're on Twitter at VCL Niagara. Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. This Tim Graham show and all Tim Graham shows are brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at Viola Cummings and Lindsay. No, 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 no. I always I do that. Get better. <laughs> no way. Do better. <laughs> Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. We were just talking, uh, Big Crooked was trying to state the case that if the Bills were to beat the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football, the national stage, to score a victory, a rare victory against Tom Brady, that it would be a hollow victory because, and you'll correct me if I'm misrepresenting, well, but because the the people who would need to win this game aren't on the field to uh, hollow. to benefit from the development and maturity that would come along with such a big win. Hollow, I think, implies that it's devoid of meaning. I'm not saying it's devoid of meaning. I'm simply saying there's limited meaning meaning because of Josh Allen's not on the field. I mean, is that you want to see the future. Right now, I just feel like we're watching I don't know. Whoops, name some journeyman pitcher in baseball who's winning some games No, this somewhere. is your point. You name it. Right, just it just it doesn't mean anything. Help you out, and it's not just the Patriots game. It's any game you win with Derek Anderson. I think is just great. You want a game with Derek Anderson. I guess there's meaning to that. But in terms of 2019, 2020, 2021, meh. Wouldn't it mean something for Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott because they're getting torched over the fact that they've botched the quarterback situation? And if Derek Anderson can beat the Patriots, then maybe they haven't. Or maybe they've at least found a way to salvage it. Again, you're going to accuse me of layering this, but if you beat the Patriots and you go four and twelve or five and eleven, I don't know if that win changes fates. I'm not saying anybody's going to get fired after this season. I think that'll be crazy. But let's say you go four and twelve this year and they don't meet expectations next year and they go six and ten, then I think you're you're starting to get to that territory where people might get fired. I don't think a win in October of 2018 over Tom Brady and the Patriots is going to save anybody's jobs at that point. Again, I'm layering it, but... By saying it's, that it's they're the going idea. to beat the Patriots and win one of their remaining games. Yes, that's that's my layer. That's a that's great. And, but that's but that's that's the mentality that bothers me. <laughs> they'll beat the Patriots, the Buffalo but sports fan. They'll beat that, the Patriots, well, but we beat the Patriots. No shot against the Jets or the Dolphins or but the that's, Dr- that's Lions the team, or any But of that. that's the exact way this team has played this year. They beat the Vikings handedly. And then they go out and lose to inferior teams. The Colts, the Texans are both there, worse than the Vikings. Get one thing. I don't know that there is an inferior team on paper to the Buffalo Bills this season. I think right. privately they might even admit that. So to say that they're losing to inferior teams. No, no, no. Inferior days, to the Vikings, I'm saying. They we'll should have... beat the Vikings and they lost to worse teams. So they could beat the Patriots and still lose to worse teams like the Lions and the Jets at home. Uh, worse than the Patriots. I mean, every team they're going to play is probably going to be worse than the Patriots the rest of the way. But Yeah, again, we'll have Joel Staniszewski is... on the line from Vegas uh, coming up here, and um, he could tell us, I'm sure, from a betting standpoint, not only if the Bills could ever be a favorite 
for the rest of the season. I'm sure they're going to be an underdog, but well, maybe even let's see if they're a, less three points or less. We'll about talk that? about how close it can be. How about the Bills pulling off the biggest upset in the NFL since 1995 over the Vikings? What the hell does that mean for the rest of the season? Is anybody any Bills fan going to be sitting there in January if this team goes four and twelve, saying, "Well, we beat you know, pulled off the biggest upset in NFL in the last twenty five years in the NFL"? No, they don't care about that at that point. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think that that's what oh Bills... come on, there's no Bills fans can be sitting there in January hanging their hat on that. That's crazy. Nobody will be doing that. But for a few weeks, there won't be change. any Bills fans at all thinking about the things that went well. You ever met during Bills the season? Fans? Yeah, we're no wonder <laughs> you that, have trouble. That's my entire point. Why is the focus on? Well, we beat the Patriots like 2003 or whatever. Well, because beat the Patriots 2018 in week one. isn't about much else other than finding and hanging your some head on one win spot. that is will prove itself to be fluky. If the result is what we all think it will be, I don't think that means anything. Why should they even show or up? Not, doesn't mean very right. much. Why, well, why why go to any of these games? You know, why do any of this ever? Because Good question. Most wins would be empty, wouldn't they? Wouldn't every win in a seven and nine season be empty? Wouldn't every win in every six and ten, five and eleven season forever? I think be in empty? that range, there's a lot of empty wins. It's not empty to guys. I that think are a lot out of Bills fans are annoyed about the seven and nine, six and ten, eight sure. and eight, seven and nine, six and ten, eight and eight, five and eleven, seven and nine. They're sick of that. They're sick of that. And oh, we'll beat the Patriots one year. Go hang your hat on that. How is it that on your same point you can read Bills fans' minds and then don't understand Bills fans all at the same time? I can multitask. No, I think you're 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 doing it to suit whatever it is you want to say. Well, here's what Bills fans think. It's this, this, and this. But there's no way, and they can't understand. And why would they even think that? Ham fisting to the the highest order here in the middle chair. Yes, it's what I do best. Mike so, Rodak speaks for all Bills fans. Yes, he does. True. It's often been said. Nobody will dispute that. This is the Tim Graham Show. You're listening to Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The guy who continually keeps smacking his lips is my co-host. I need some water. The big crooked Mike Rodak. He's getting a dry mouth because he's uh, getting getting, getting smacked around the studio here today with a really bad point. There's a watering. Matthew Fairburn, my uh, brother from The Athletic, he's here. Uh, He covers the bills for The Athletic. And uh, Jonah Bronstein also here uh, from the Buffalo News. Producer Bobby Rosati diddling the knobs. Wearing his Tom Brady hoodie. Oh, I just realized that. All right. Well, he knows. Yeah. He's probably got a Tom Brady t-shirt under the Tom Brady hoodie. <laughs> no, I usually do that for good measure, but today it's white. TB12. No, I'm just kidding. Too much info <laughs> from Bobby. I know. I want to stay on this topic just a little while longer. Suck it dry. My lips are already dry. Are you kidding? Just teeing it up for Bobby for future episodes. That's going to be uh, in heavy rotation. <laughs> I just think it's a, a crazy idea that nothing. Of course, nothing really matters. I, I, if we're again, if we're, I, I think if we're, we're zooming this out in an existential lens, yeah, Steve, then none of this really matters. Steve Bannon right now is in Western New York giving a rally speech at a fire hall. So and yeah, we're so here yeah, talking about it, football. Right, none of it matters. And you're, I know you're going to insert some ham-fisted take. Why don't you just? Take a deep breath and let your your mouth, you know, collect itself for a second. <laughs> but I think I, we're I don't misrepresenting th- my take. I didn't say it but doesn't matter. That's because you made six different points in one take. There's limited matter. your own take. The point is that these guys are not going to be judged by 2018 at all. 
And so technically anything they do in 2018 Are they? doesn't really matter. Tim, do you agree with that? That 2018 won't Unless, no Bills fans will 20, sit here at the end of 2018. There won't be a report card in the Buffalo News the Bills, in January the about Bills how they did this get, year. The Bills don't get Bills fans don't get to fire Sean McDermott wait, or wait, Brandon wait, B. Mike, are you saying a victory over the Patriots will matter? Or wait, what are, you've you've I'm You've been talking for the last 20 minutes about overall. how a, a victory over the Patriots wouldn't matter. And, and now you're he's saying, saying he's, Tim, do you agree that Bills fans won't think that this matters? I'm saying the season as a whole will my matter. Po- and my we, point is that— If you would let me that... finish a point instead of making 14 <laughs> points in a span of 16 seconds, then maybe you might learn something. You didn't always Please open your mouth and shut it <laughs> once in a while. I'm saying 2018, Terry Pagula is not going to sit there and fire Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott over 2018. Judgment is coming in 2019 and beyond. And so if in 2019 they also suck, then you look back at 2018 and you have some context to say, this rebuild is coming off the rails. If in 2019 they show dramatic improvement, then they probably will, right or wrong, point to games like the Vikings and the Patriots if they hypothetically win because We live in a hypothetical fantasy land with your takes. Then they would point to those and say, these were the signs that things were heading in the right direction. These are things we built on. And 2019 is when maybe they would see some of the fruits of that labor. But they're not going to sit there at the end of the year and say, it's not like if they go 4-12 and and beat the Patriots, Terry Pagula will be like, well, if they went 3-13 and and lost that Patriots game, I would have fired them. But they beat the Patriots, so I'm going to keep them around. Nobody's making that point. You're... You're arguing against a false pretense. And you know what? I think it's also a bit naive and maybe something where if a computer were handling things, maybe I'd agree with you a little bit more, Mike. But please don't do that. (laughs) Please, please stop doing that. Please stop smacking your lips into the microphone. Not only do I personally hate it, but it sounds awful to people listening. And I want to make sure that people know that that whatever sound that they hear, that's Mike Rodak actually doing that. No, I think you're presuming what Bills fans think. How how do you know what they think on the radio about my noises? I'm talking about listeners because they interact. I think you're presuming a lot about that. No, I don't think they're all necessarily Bills fans. But if a computer were making the selection and they might look at, well, they didn't, this wins and losses. But a victory over the Patriots on Monday Night Football, that is something that people will be talking about for a long time. About, and that's, you know what? that's my I, problem. I have a problem with that. I think that's no, no, a you, flaw no, no. of, of, of Buffalo fans. No, no. Earlier you said that Bills fans will not be looking back on this game uh, at the end of the season. I think, they I, will finally, I, think I finally know and Mike's now, point that he wishes he could articulate on his own, but I'll try to do it for him. Please do. He's saying that he doesn't want this game to be the Super Bowl, that yes, Bills fans that should not treat it as a Super Bowl. Point. But you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna zoom this out again because in a world where nothing matters, you know, <laughs> existentially, of course, because that's w- what we're doing here, nothing really matters. Why wouldn't people who are geared up for a Monday Night Football game spending a lot of money, spending money, bringing their kids, whatever else, well, and they're don't on wait. national, pro- Real hopefully quick, not. Don't bring your kids, kids to a Monday yeah, Night Football. Probably please. not. Do not recommend but, it. Why wouldn't that matter, that those three hours of fun and joy that it could bring to some people? that doesn't. We should just say, you know what, don't care about any sports game. If, you, if you're a Bills fan and you don't care that they beat the Patriots on Monday Night Football, honestly, you shouldn't care about anything because that is fun. 
And sports are supposed to be fun. Whether It's not the Super Bowl, but guess what? The Bills aren't going to the Super Bowl. And for a lot of people, they might not go to the Super Bowl in their lifetime. So maybe they should just enjoy it if that happens instead of walking out of the stadium and saying, well, this doesn't matter. Mike Rodak told me. They should if they're listening to the Tim Graham show. I do think Mike made one good point. It was a subtle thing right there. <laughs> he Mike made many. No, I want to hear this. I want to hear this. Mike, Mike, Mike's points. not good with nuance, but I think what he did there, he made it a point to say, if they're listening to the Tim Graham show, that's deflection right there. He wants people to come away thinking, it was the Tim Graham show where I heard this, <laughs> not Mike Rodak said this. Not that moron Mike Rodak. It was like, you know, I was listening to the Tim Graham show, I think, and they were talking about how this game won't matter. I think you're attributing too much strategy to me on that one. That's true. You're not good on nuance. I'm sorry, Jonah. Jonah Go ahead. Of all the point bad, made. confusing, contradicting points Mike made, the one that I, I agree with is it would mean a lot more if Josh Allen was playing this game. Of course. It would be the first win in the Patriots in his career, and it would be a building a building block for his career, and not now if they win with Derek Anderson, it's not the same thing. Thank you. I, I don't think anyone disagreed with that. Right. I think we're probably five for five in, well, then in this maybe, room. About I think that. then I think you're creating straw man straw man arguments. Well, Mike, with me I think Mike about. is preemptively defending himself. He's straw manning himself. He's he's defending himself <laughs> against a potential reality where the Bills pull off a major upset, and for the following forty eight hours, week. Two weeks, maybe two months. Every day he has to load his Twitter feed, and people will rub it in his face. I think that's Which, he's a little afraid of that. I'm and not so afraid of it. He's preemptively saying this win doesn't matter because he's afraid of people hurting his feelings and, on the Twitter machine. And this game means nothing to me, and personally, emotionally, anything. It, it's I'm not convinced. Are you convinced? Are you guys convinced? I'm not <laughs> what, buying it. What bothers me as a <laughs> As a sports writer living in this market, is exactly what Matthew was talking about before the the putting on a pedestal of games that opponents do not view in the same light. All right, so how about this? When I was at Mizzou my freshman year, back in the days when yeah. I was well, that ca- been up, able to be able to be a fan, you know, they beat Oklahoma at home on homecoming. First time they had beat a number one team like that. They hadn't beaten Oklahoma in forever. And Mizzou ends up going to the Independence Bowl or some slappy bowl like that. Mm -hmm. But to this day, that night is one of the coolest sports experiences I've ever had with some great friends of mine. We still talk about it. But it meant nothing. It meant nothing. I didn't say it means nothing. Because Mizzou stinks and Oklahoma is still good. And it meant nothing. And it's because you didn't didn't ever have the experience of watching... Mizzou in, in the college football playoff. And I never will. Championship game. I probably never will because they stink. They're a B-level program. C-level maybe at best. Then and there's limited meaning to what they do compared well, to teams sure. that do have more meaning to what they do because they're competing for championships and they're playing good ball. And that's what the Bills should be doing. Bills fans deserve that, but they're not getting it. And instead, they have to make games like this into their Super Bowls because there aren't any. And that's sad. There should be something better and bigger for Bills fans. Isn't wouldn't beating the Patriots indicate no. that something? Oh, it doesn't. Okay, no. Again, I would. I'm going to go it, five and eleven. Patriots beating, walk beating away. Patriots, Patriots in, walk away. Five beating and the three. Patriots on Monday Night Football outside of a home playoff win or a Super Bowl win, I think would be one of the cool. If you're a Bills fan, that's got to be one of the coolest moments in a long, long time. And you know, be what cooler else would winning be a playoff game. Well, that's what I said. Well, how do you get there? 
by you not get there caring by whether or not you beat the Patriots. Winning. You get there by not playing the Patriots when you're two and five, and you you're, you have the worst offense. Oh, they should, then in they, the last twenty five years. Oh, you don't. Oh, so you don't play them when you're two and five. You wait. You schedule them you like a college team. Win games. You, sched, you wait and you schedule when you can. They can help you get to the bowl to the uh, no, national championship. You treat every game. game. As you a should, game in the season, and you try to win every game, which I'm not saying they should put an arena win. team on this in their in their non conference like and said, wait you, and then create get a team it when it matters. Able to win consistently in games like this are simply another. Mizzou stone. shouldn't have played Oklahoma that year. They no, should have waited. I'm not saying they shouldn't play the Patriots. I'm and saying you, know you should what? win like, more games. Period. Not yeah. Just how about Patriots beating the games. Patriots? Win more games. So beat they the should Texans, lose. Beat the Colts. Beat the Ravens. Beat the Chargers. So the beating beat the, the Patriots. Patriots doesn't matter because of last week. Beat the Patriots. Beat the Chargers. Beat the Ravens. Beat everybody. Don't make it into well. We're playing the Patriots. This is David versus Goliath. We're we're gonna win, and, and this it's gonna be great. No, make no, it I'm into t- we're gonna win this season. Look, I we're tried gonna make to make the playoffs. We're gonna be the best team in the AFC. We're gonna go to the Super Bowl. But that's not that what, should be your goal. But that's not what 2018 was ever about with a rookie quarterback who's now injured. Exactly. Why don't you He's not even play? Look, I gave you a chance to show the listeners and people out there that you're a human. I when I brought up this Mizzou, this Mizzou point. That hey, was a cool night. One of the been, coolest nights of my life. There's been with a lot of fun, cool people. That fun. would probably be the same thing for these Bills fans. Does that mean nothing? In that case, none of these games mean anything, and sports don't mean anything. And so maybe we should not just ever care no, about anything. Here's a good comparison: the Friars, Providence yeah, the Friars. College Friars. They beat big time Villanova College. Exactly. Athletics. That exactly my point. They beat Villanova, number one team in the country this year. I had a great time that night. I enjoyed watching the game. It was fun to watch. Guess what? They lost to Villanova. In the Big East Championship, Villanova went on to win their second national title in three years. That game in February, where the Friars beat the Wildcats in Providence, well, didn't really mean much. Well, the, the day, we'll I would much game. rather be the Villanova Wildcats. Here's my point: that Mizzou season, <laughs> the following Jonah was saying, Jonah, everybody that was at that game will remember we beat number one Villanova. That's great. When home. I was there, I saw them beat number five Louisville. There's a couple big games, and everybody storms the court and have a good time. You know what's better than storming the court? Winning every damn game. I don't know. I think, in a way, sports is more about that, <laughs> winning memorable much, wins no, at home than winning championships. I would championships. much rather be I would UCLA under John the, Wooden and win every single game than be the team that wins one game a year oh, no and kid. it happens oh, to be against oh, the Wait a minute. There's a team. hot take. You better tweet that out before somebody else steals it. You'd rather be John Wooden and win many straight national championships than not win a title. Then That's be amazing. The, then be the team it's amazing that, to oh, think. well, we upset that team. Well, Great. here's the thing. That year, Mizzou did get their teeth kicked in by Nebraska the next week. They actually, I think they lost to Iowa in the Independence Bowl, but I don't even remember because I wasn't at the Independence Bowl. I don't really care about the Independence Bowl. Then that's, that's the a, Cotton Bowl, that's whatever problem. bowl it would have that's been. That's a problem. I, and anyway, I didn't have you, the money to travel there, but I was. Using college basketball is also a terrible example because generally everybody makes the conference tournament. So regular season wins in college basketball is generally for standings only. But they rushed the court after these beaten number sure. two. I mean, sure. Chaminade beat West Virginia or Virginia in 1982. You still talk about that game. Right. I don't know if well, Chaminade's won look, a game since. Look, there's there's a difference with that because, like, UMBC, you know, like, there's schools that, because of the way college sports are structured, there's such a wide range. Like, there's, there's very small schools that have absolutely no prayer of ever becoming anything. The NFL is not like that. The NFL, and even I'm, I'm speaking within the Big East Conference in this case, between Providence and Villanova. I'm not talking about, you know, Rhode Island College playing Villanova. We're talking about teams that are 
should be competing against each other on a fairly level playing field. All right, we got your, your goal shouldn't be to storm the court and pull off the upset in an otherwise meaningless season. Your goal should be to win. Period. Win championships. Stop win banging titles. the table. For emphasis. Stop banging the table. Well, nobody on the air can really hear that other than it just it gives a big bang, it gives a big pop. Exactly. Nobody knows that you're banging the table. It just but annoys people. Josh McCarty uh, sends this in on Facebook. I actually was just asking myself the other day what it would sound like if Mike Rodak had a mouthful of peanut butter. <laughs> so the lip smacking helps me figure that out. So thanks for uh, listening, Josh. I'm glad I can help you. And uh, all right, when we come back, we'll have Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas to talk about the Bills from a betting standpoint and as a Bills fan. Uh, no Bills fans in this room. Let's get uh, Joel Staniszewski's opinion on whether or not the Patriots. Uh, would mean anything. He's an analytical guy. He deals in numbers, uh, and yet he's a Bills fan. Let's hear what he has to say when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings Lindsay LLP. Your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys call 285-9555 or visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Welcome to the show, Joel. I don't know if you heard the last segment. Championship or bust, that's what I heard. Yeah, so it's or it's or so what happens if the if the if your beloved Buffalo Bills cover the 14-point spread and beat – oh, no, no, I'm sorry, don't cover. It doesn't, they don't have to cover. They have to do way more than cover. If they beat the New England Patriots outright, is it considered hollow, hollowed to you? No. How would you explain that to uh, Big Crooked? As a, as a Bills fan, uh, losing to the Patriots every year since forever – if you beat them once, it's, that's the Super Bowl for us because we know we're not going to make it to the Super Bowl. So our Super Bowl this year is New England Patriots Monday Night Football. Mike's point is that that's just too sad for him to fathom. Well, it, that's because we're a sad group of Buffalonians. What do you expect? All right, so 14 points. <laughs> 14 points, Joel. What do you think about this spread? Well, I could tell you a zillion different uh, trends about how the Bills lose to the Patriots. We lose to the Patriots at home. The Patriots cover. The Patriots cover in Buffalo. They cover in New England. They cover everywhere. Um, what I've noticed, obviously, like we've discussed in the past, is when you have a different team, a different quarterback, different key players, those trends don't really add up. They're, they're hard to really get a grasp on. Not necessarily New England's because they've had the same core people since forever. Uh, but this year, the Buffalo Bills have done exceptionally well as a double-digit dog. Uh, we were a double-digit dog against Minnesota in Week 3, 17-point dog. We won uh, outright. We were a double-digit dog Week 6 against Houston. Should have won outright, but, you know, things happen, as they always do. Um, what I've noticed is our our worst place to be for the Bills this year is a seven to nine point dog. We were a seven to nine point dog week one when we lost by 44. We were a seven and a half point dog week two when we lost by 11. We were a nine point dog week four when we lost by 22. Uh, we were a seven point dog when we lost last week by 32. So our double digit dogs, uh, we've been playing well as them. Uh, but again, the Patriots are the Patriots, and the Bills are the Bills, and that's what it's been for the last 15 years, and that's what it will probably continue to be. So you want to uh, hope that the Bills can score early and then just keep it close. Um, obviously, we, you know we've heard the old adage, defense wins championships. Our defense is uh, our cornerstone. Uh, 
so that's our only hope is that our defense can somehow slow down their offense, which we've had trouble doing um, for quite a long time. So if our defense can can do what we do and our offense can just extend drives and not go three and out and not throw interceptions and not fumble, we have an opportunity to at least keep it close so we don't get blown out, uh, you know, again on prime time by the Patriots. You know, Joel, the, the Patriots' defense is soft, giving up a lot of yards and a lot of points. Uh, the total in this game is 44.5, which isn't too much different than last week's against the Indianapolis Colts, 1-5 and five, uh, going into that game. And the game, I, I thought it was a safe bet for the under, and it did go under, but it got a lot closer than I thought it would. Me too. Same what, thing with me. What's the thinking of this total being about the roughly the same? You're in the same ballpark, yep. but it's the Patriots, yep. not the Colts. So the thought process is um, the Bills. So the seven, we lose, we don't cover. That's the the consensus thought of this game. Is the Patriots are going to put up a good number? Uh, we're not going to put up almost anything. Um, and what's difficult Nope, we're losing Joel. Yeah, I think we lost him. Hold on. All right, we'll get him back on. Bobby will effort. Well, I, that's an interesting uh, point I wanted uh, Joel to be able to uh, get into about uh, that total. Um, Joel Staniszewski, the, I, I didn't even give him his proper intro. We were so hot and bothered about uh whether or not it would matter if the if the Bills were to beat the Patriots, Joel Staniszewski. Joel Staniszewski is from Sloan. He's a St. Joe's grad, Buffalo State grad, and he's been out in Vegas as a handicapper and an analyst and an odds maker for uh, uh, for a number of years. Joel, sorry about that. Uh, no worries. Technology, you know. <laughs> so you were saying uh, before it cut off, you, you were just getting into the uh, the idea of the Bills. Roughly being uh, in the same situation as far as the over/under at forty-four and a half against a, a high-powered team in the Patriots, uh, as opposed to a team that wasn't expected to do much last week, as in the one and five Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, you have to assume the Patriots are going to put up. The, the thought process is the Patriots are going to put up a lot, and we're going to put up very little. So the you know twenty-eight to seven, thirty-five to seven, those are all unders. Um, you can't imagine that the Patriots are really going to really, you know, put the foot on the throat of the Bills if they're up by 30. If it's 35 to nothing, they're not going to keep throwing it. They um, do. They're just going <laughs> to Right, they do, but I mean, they're the thought like the, so the thought is, is that it's going to be a high-scoring game for the Patriots, you know, in the upper 20s to 30 range and the Bills are going to be single-digit scorers. Um I think it seemed a little low when it came out, especially as a 14-point favorite. You'd have to assume that there's going to be a lot of books that will not take parlays like Patriots to the over, Bills to the under, uh, because of the fact that it's such a huge number on the side and not that huge of a number on a total. Um, So a lot of times you don't see it so much in the NFL. You see it a lot in college, the correlated parlays. They don't take, you know, a USC or, you know, a huge – 20-point favorite with a 45-point spread or total. So I'm sure there's going to be some books that will limit bets that they take on sides and totals on this game. Um, but it is a huge spread, and with a spread that big, you would assume the total should be higher. 
Well, Joel, thanks for joining us. Uh, we kind of squeezed the segment a little bit because uh, everybody was getting a little tense here in the in the studio. <laughs> but I'm glad you were able to come in and give a thinking man's uh, opinion, who, a thinking man who also happens to be a passionate Bills fan. And I think you probably um, underscored the points that both Matt and I and Mike Rodak were making. It's uh, yeah, you it is the Super Bowl. Mike Rodak just finds that pathetic. And finds you pathetic, quite frankly. That's right, Joel. Hey, don't ever show Rodak, your face around these parts again. He's a lot bigger than you think. You think he's a small guy when you see his photo on ESPN.com. Yeah, he's not. When you see him in person, he's a big guy. I, I, I'll fight. I'll fight him. Don't worry. I'll fight him in the parking lot of Elmo's. No problem. When are you coming but, back uh, up here? Uh, for the Detroit game. All right. I'll see you then. Yeah, All right. Rodak in that large pear-shaped body of his. He'll, uh, <laughs> he'll give you the business. All right, thanks for joining us, Joel. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right, big thanks to Big Crooked Mike Rodak for the spirited debates. <laughs> Always a willing participant. To uh, Matthew Fairburn, uh, my colleague at The Athletic, uh, thanks for joining us here in the studio for the full two hours. Uh, hopefully you can come back. You'll have an open invitation. Thanks for having me. I'll be back. All right. Goddamn right you will be. You haven't seen the last of me, Rodak. Jonah Bronstein. Cut that one, Bob. Handling things uh, for Facebook and uh, also giving a great insight on on all topics. And uh, Bobby Rosati doing what he do. Working extra hard today with our callers. We had we had trouble with both calls. Yeah, we did. So you get the game ball again, but Bobby. we got both of them. So that's yeah, you did. I mean, it wasn't, and it wasn't your fault. I mean, you had to fight through. Right, right. You had to fight through adversity. Yeah. How do you know? I was. I saw it. I saw <laughs> what he was doing. We lost Joel, and we couldn't get William Bendit. Oh, and thanks to William Benditson from uh, he's the Patriots correspondent for Sports Exchange and Maven. You've been listening to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call two eight five nine five five five. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. This has been the Tim Graham Show. Catch you next week right here, Wednesday, 4 o'clock on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan.